Have you ever wondered what goes on behind the table at a dance competition? Exactly what are the judges looking for anyway? This is Making the Impact, a dance competition podcast. Each week, we'll cover a different topic related to the world of competitive dance from the perspective of the judges behind the table. In the competitive dance world, there are two kinds of events, conventions and competitions. Today, we hear about the pros and the cons of each style of event from studio owner Amanda Carter and dance educator and dance mom, Sarah Madison. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Making the Impact. I'm your host, Courtney Ortiz, and I'm here with my co-host, Leslie Mueller. Good afternoon, evening, morning, whatever it is that you're listening to us. Good everything (laughs) to everyone. (laughs) Yes. Leslie, how's it going over there in New Jersey? Oh my gosh, it's winter, it's cold, it's dark all the time, and I'm just ready for competition season to start. <laughs> I know, we say that every time. I'm like, I cannot wait. I have yet to go out to a competition event in the fall. My season doesn't officially start with the streets until after the new year, but... Oh, wow. Yeah, I know, which it's a little different. Usually That's at this be weird point, for you. I know, yeah. I'm, I'm usually like, get, you know, have a little events under my belt before the new year, and are out judging already, but nope, not this year. And it's actually been nice because I've been able to like focus on a lot of IDA work. I've been doing a lot of other teaching and other things for me in the fall, which has been great. And just, I just can't wait. I'm so eager to start the season. Yes, 2024, here we come. But we do have some cool stuff to talk about today because we're talking about conventions and competitions. And some conventions have already started. People have already been. Yes. Convention season is definitely here for sure. A lot of people out there, you might be listening and say, yep, I've already been to a convention this season. Some of the competitions haven't officially started yet, and they usually don't start until after the new year. But I will say that every year, regular competitions are continuing to start earlier 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 and earlier and earlier. So they're just creeping. (laughs) At some point, they might be starting before the new year one of these days. But yes, convention season is in full swing and competition season is quickly approaching. So today we're talking all about both dance conventions and dance competitions. What we love about both, the similarities, the differences, we're going to dive into this fantastic chat. But before we do, we want to hear from our fantastic sponsors over here at Making Impact for Season 5. Calling all dancers who are looking to stay training over the upcoming holiday break. I have the perfect intensive to recommend to you. And that is Francesco Gala Dance Works New Year Training Camp, taking place this December 28th through 30th, 2023, in Los Angeles, California. Join Francesco Gala and special guest faculty for a three-day intensive you do not want to miss. You'll receive over 30 hours of training throughout the intensive, with a technique-based approach to focus on strengthening the body, mind, and spirit as you head into a brand new year. This intensive is open to all intermediate and advanced dancers from ages 12 to 22, with discounts on tuition available to current college students. All attending dancers will be eligible to audition for scholarships for future Francisco Gala DanceWorks intensives in 2024. And speaking of discounts, we have a special promo code to offer our Making the Impact listeners. Use the code MAKINGTHEIMPACT in all caps when registering for an upcoming Francisco Gala DanceWorks program on their website and receive $75 off your registration. Learn more about the New Year's training camp and all of Francisco Gala's workshops by clicking the link in our show notes or visiting their website at franciscogaladance.com. We'd like to thank Francisco Gala Dance Works for being our Season 5 premiere sponsor. And now, let's get back to the episode. All right, listeners, it's time to jump into this week's episode. I'm really excited about this one. We're talking all about conventions versus 
competitions and what that means for our dance world. I, we've had a lot of different chats on making an impact, obviously, about dance competitions, and we've talked a little bit about dance conventions. But I think there definitely is a difference, but there's a lot of similarities. And we want to just chat even more with our two special guests here joining us on reasons why they choose which events that they go to, what they love about competitions, what they love about conventions, things that they want the industry to continue to work on. We're just going to dive into a whole convention competition chat today on making the impact. And our two guests are brand new to us. I'm excited to welcome our very first guest. She is a new judge to the IDA roster as of last season. She is a dance teacher and a dance mom. So I'm excited to hear the perspective. And I already know that she's been out at conventions already this season. It's only November and she's been to two conventions already. So I was like, hmm, maybe she'd be great to chat all about this because she's been uh, in the scene already this year. I'm excited to welcome Sarah Madison to the podcast. Welcome, Sarah. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Yes, I'm so happy that you could squeeze us in before you actually are getting into the car today to drive to your next convention event. (laughs) Yes. So actually, um, a little bit about me. I am originally from Minnesota, and we live in Oklahoma now. So we are driving today to Minnesota from Oklahoma. It's about a 13-hour drive. Oh my gosh. For a dance com Yeah, for a dance convention competition. So, um yeah, that being said, we're in Oklahoma because of my husband's job, but I was born and raised in like Minneapolis, St. Paul, trained in the Twin Cities, was like a studio kid, dance team kid, kind of grew up in that world and then started teaching, choreographing and just kind of diving into that whole world. So I have been a teacher for 24 years now. I can't even believe it. (laughs) I still feel like, I don't know, it's day one. But yeah, I I love the education side of it just because it's more of an involved process with the kids. And um, now that I'm getting older, kind of diving into the, the judging side of it so I can keep giving back. And then I have four kids. And so my youngest daughter, she dances. So yes, I'm a dance mom, although she says I'm not a dance mom. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I'm kind of experiencing dance mom world, but also like teacher and judge world is kind of mixed in there. So that's about me a little bit. I like that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think it's a helpful perspective to hear the dance mom side of things too, because just like out of curiosity, the, and I know you've already been to one other convention so early in the season, you're heading to your next one right now. Is this a competition that you're heading to by yourself with your dancer or is the whole studio going? So we generally kind of let the kids spread out and kind of go out and see the world. And that's how we are. We're really big on that with um, our studio, just letting our kids dive into where they want to go. And so being from Minnesota, we are actually going home to do like an early Thanksgiving, do the convention competition. Yeah. And then I can be back for um, Thanksgiving week to teach more when the kids here are out of school. So it kind Mm. of was the best of two worlds. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure we're going to chat all about that. And also, I just, you know, just kicking things off before we introduce our next guest, it is really helpful to know that like your studio lets your dancers go out to different events. So like, I'm, we're going to talk all about that and can't wait to learn more from you. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right. Our next special guest is a brand new guest to our podcast. She is a very long time friend of mine. I have the pleasure of working with her students on the regular whenever I am in North Carolina. I am at no limits every single time I'm there because her students are so fantastic. She's doing such great things for our dance world. And 
she had such a beautiful professional career. We danced alongside each other in many shows. I'm excited to welcome Amanda Carter to the podcast. Thank you so much, Courtney, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I know. I've been like reaching out to you and it, your schedule is just insanely Insane. busy. And I'm always like, hmm, I got to get Amanda on the podcast. And I thought of you for this one because I know knowing your studio yes. and you being a studio owner, I'd love to hear that perspective. But also right. I know that you go to dance conventions and regular competition. So yes. Yeah. I think that you're like the perfect person to chat about like how you choose to go to which comps right. and your experience from growing up as a comp kid to now. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm excited to chat about it. Yay. Well, Amanda, if you wouldn't mind sharing with the world more about you, where you're from, where you grew up, what your career was like and what you're working on now. Yeah. So I grew up in the dance competition world, started dancing when I was two. I went to a performing arts high school, graduated from there, moved to New York straight away. I attended Alvin Ailey in the independent study program, finished that, and then I was straight off to doing regional tours with Spirit Productions, and that's how I met Courtney, Yay! doing our favorite Christmas show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so much fun. And then straight from there, I went on a cruise ship and met my husband, who I am with now. Fun fact, I'm interrupting. Leslie, Amanda did Vision. What? You were a vision girl? Yeah. Amanda wore our costumes yeah. on yes. Vision of the Seas. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I, you're, th that means you're really short then, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And those quick changes. Woo, those quick changes. <laughs> we did it, though. Thank God. We did it. We did it. But yeah, that's where I met Will. And then so I finished that contract. I got off and we created No Limits Dance and Fitness. And then we split it to No Limits Dance Company and No Limits Fitness, which is where we are now. And it's been 10 years. Of wow. owning the studio. Yeah, this is our 10th season. And I've loved every minute. I mean, it's it's been incredible. It's been a dream. So, That's awesome. Yeah. And I notice on your bio, you have a, a little bit of new news to share. I do. So this is my first season. I'm a rookie as an NFL cheerleader for the Carolina Panthers. So that's yeah. been fun. That is yeah. so cool. Yeah, that's it's different, awesome. but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Never fun. stop. I mean, business owner, nope. mom. Like now I, I, professional yeah. <laughs> again. <laughs> I, I think that's the thing for me. I'm just so used to go, go, go that the mm. minute I slow down, I'm like, wait a minute. I need something else. <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah. you. Yeah. I don't know how. I mean, you're all you always have something and it's so impressive and you always do it Thank so you. well. I also want to throw out another just plug for your studio that I'm pretty sure y'all won like studio of the year at a nationals. We did. Yes. Studio of the year and um, artist and training studio of the year this past season with nice. Ash. So yeah. Yeah. It's Amazing. That's Very a cool. huge achievement. So congrats on that. Thank you. Thank you. All right, y'all. Well, this is going to be great. Can't wait to chat all about conventions and competition. So let's dive on in. Yay. All right. Well, I mean, our our podcast name is Making the Impact a Dance Competition Podcast. So if you're here, I'm assuming you know what a dance competition is. But would somebody like to just give us a little blanket statement just in case anybody <laughs> is brand new and is like, this sounded like a thing I wanted to listen to today. What's a dance competition? <laughs> hmm. Go Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So a dance competition is generally where dancers come together in an event and there's a variety of categories and they compete against one another. So they have a panel of judges and there's um, adjudications, there's scores, placement awards, there's like, you get all of that feedback 
But what I think is kind of cool about a dance competition is just all of the different mixes of talents can kind of come together. And also, like, they all compete against one one another. So, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. You get feedback and... And trophies. You get, you get to do your dancing. <laughs> yeah, and trophies. People love a trophy. Maybe crystals. there's some... Yeah, yes. crystals. There's a, there's <laughs> banners. There's medals. There's trophies. There might be cash. There might be merchandise credit instead of cash. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but there's always a yeah. prize as well at the competitions. Yeah. Right. And I think an important thing to note is that there is not only one first place. I think if you mm. are coming from maybe a sporting event competition kind of thing, or you think about the Olympics, there's one first place in a category or in the whole, you know, nine yards. There's there's a lot of first places at dance competition. A lot, a lot of <laughs> ties. A lot yes. of ties. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Lots of ties, lots of firsts. Yes. Yeah, so making and and we're gonna we'll we'll talk more about that soon. Yeah. Anything else to add, Amanda, that you think is important for people to know about specifically a dance competition? Honestly, I think I think you hit it, Sarah. You know, no classes involved with dance competitions. The dancers are going performing. I think it's I think it can be more of a studio event and more mm. team based. I know there's independent dancers that go, but I would say across the board, it's more studio involvement. Mm. That's yeah. a, that's definitely a great way to look at it, and. For our, our listeners out there who might be new to the scene, like the, the actual dances that you are bringing to the dance competition have been rehearsed, have been worked on for months. This is the dance. These are the dances of the season. And yes, most of the time it is like a full studio event if you're going to a competition. So I, I like that aspect of it because right. as a judge, I get to see the full picture of every dancer from the minis to the seniors competing even when they, you know, and then the production numbers come out, which is always like a highlight, which we will see at convention competitions as well. But like, you know, depends on if the whole studio attended or not. Whereas right. like the competition competitions are a little bit more mandatory sometimes for the entire studio to attend so they can have those full studio events and do all of their group dances, which I love to see. Yeah, I will say as a judge, too, there's no like I, we can see like 700 to 1000 in a weekend. So of of routine. So I feel like there's a lot more just mm. dance yeah. numbers yes. involved. Yeah, sure. that is a good point. All right, let's jump switch gears to conventions. Yeah, what's a so we'll, we'll go. What is this? What is that? And then what are the benefits of this? And what are the benefits of that? So Great. what is a dance convention? And how does it differ from a competition? All right, I'll go. <laughs> go. A dance convention <sighs> is a weekend full of classes usually three days of classes and then one to two days of competition, sometimes three days. I know some conventions have have started adding three days of competition, which I just Mm. saw this past season, which was a little wild, but somehow they made it work. And and what what days are we talking about? Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now, don't get me wrong, some start on Thursday, but the main convention we attend, they actually got rid of that due to some complaints and they now start on Fridays. Great. Early morning Fridays, but yeah, it works better for the kids for school, for sure. But yeah, a lot of classes, no levels for competition, you know, so that's when you have to decide, okay, who are we taking to these conventions, which I know we'll probably get into later, but Mm. it's one level. Are we taking all of our kids or are we taking the advanced kids or are we just taking the intermediate kids or so they can learn or how are we doing this, you know, so that becomes a whole process, a whole thought process as well from a studio owner standpoint. Yeah. But it's a busy weekend. It's nonstop, nonstop. Yeah. yeah. And Exhausting. there's some awards. Yeah. There's some awards. 
not as many trophies. That's not true. As, not as many shiny trophies, but awards and scholarships. I would say more opportunities there for um, a convention, but yeah. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think that the the uh, types of awards that are being presented are a little bit more educational based yes. or uh, you know, are looking into the future of like, you can go to this workshop, you can go to this seminar, you can reach a whole different world of the dance world at right. with the awards that are being given in in a more educational format versus spending money on the trophies to to hand you a trophy which is kids love a trophy let's be real kids love a trophy but at the same time i think there's a little bit more behind some of the awards that are received at convention yes i agree yeah sarah you were saying that you're headed to a convention today with just your daughter can you tell us from the parent Mm -hmm. perspective what a convention is in that regard you're not the studio owner so you're not choosing for a whole group of people you're choosing for your child what does that look like Yeah, so I definitely think I agree the education process is the biggest difference, and that's what I am so passionate about. I think that you can go and you can take class. You can learn from others. We love being able to have the environment where you're competing against one another, but then you're also involved in classes together Mm -hmm. and your, your colleagues. And then I do love the fact that you can kind of go through that audition process because auditioning is a big part of the conventions, um, certain conventions at least. And that kind of gives experience to the kids Mm -hmm. for in a whole, all of that together. So education, performance, all of like building that networking Mm. and then, you know, the education and audition. So yeah. Yeah. That's why we do what we do. Yeah. (laughs) So as a, as a parent um, of a child who's going to go to a convention by herself, are you, are you allowed to, compete or is that something you sometimes choose to do sometimes not choose to do yeah so definitely like if we are traveling far i think it's kind of more cost like it makes more sense to throw your solo on stage if you're gonna travel halfway across the country you might as well do your solo get take your classes you know kind of get out there and see the world i do think too just different regions have different things that they offer Mm. as far as like other dancers so you know, with my daughter, we like to always kind of keep her, uh, give her a challenge and keep her learning and growing. And, and um, yeah, the whole experience, I think, is just better in general. But we've done both. We do like both. I just think it's kind of like more bang for your buck. Yeah. So. To bring your, to bring your yeah. solo. Yeah. And you, can you bring more than one yeah. as an independent dancer? So we, we're, we're registered under the mm. studio, so we're not independent. But yeah, no, at the conventions we go to, usually you're limited. So that's a big part yeah. with the convention competitions. You're limited to one solo. My daughter also has, she's already gotten to be a showcase dancer. So she will not get to win again. She'll just compete. Oh. She'll okay. just basically show her solo again. Mm. So she's won. It was last weekend. And then she can, can, she can basically just get feedback and critiques, but she cannot win first place again so they like know that they note that they've already flagged her as a winner from this same convention company that you're reattending. if it was a different company that wouldn't be the case you could re-win but because you're Correct. attending a similar yes. event yes. Fr- under the same umbrella of the company yeah so if it's the same com- if it's the same yeah convention competition you cannot got yeah. it so interesting yeah, yeah let's there's so much to talk about, like just so many things, <laughs> like even just that right there is is a really uh, mm-hmm. unique thing, because I'm I'm pretty certain that if you go if you go to two of the same and for all of our listeners, there are 
at the moment around 200 competitions in the United States, and this is just the states, not talking Canada, not talking worldwide, around 200 on all sizes, scales. There could be events that run one or two competitions a season, and then there's others that run 70 regionals plus nationals in a season. That's just competitions. The conventions are on top of that. So there are so many events that are happening, but I'm pretty certain that if you attend a competition twice in one season, you could still win it twice in one season at a competition. They're not going to flag that you've already been elsewhere and yeah. uh, you can't win again. Like if you deserve to win again and that was the talent pool that you were up against, then you won. But I don't think that they're going to flag it. Whereas like at least I think that the transparency of this company that you're going to, I think that's really great that that's out there because I'm sure some people are like, well, I came and I was the best and I won at the last one. So why didn't I win at this one? No, sorry, you've already won once and we are keeping track and we're actually, you know, <laughs> like. Well, I, w- I will add too that um, we still get the critique. Right. So we're still learning. Yeah. So your panel of judges might be different and she's still getting quality feedback. Yes. Um, you do not get an adjudication. Even. Oh, really? So you, don't, you don't even get. Yeah, no, you just get basically recognition and you get that feedback and you get that learning experience. So I think that's OK, yeah. too. But definitely different than the competition world where it's all the trophies, all the, you know, unicorns, sparkles, rainbows, everything. Right. Right. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Cool. Calling all dancers who are looking to stay training over the upcoming holiday break. I have the perfect intensive to recommend to you. And that is Francesco Gala Dance Works New Year Training Camp. Taking place this December 28th through 30th, 2023, in Los Angeles, California, join Francisco Gella and special guest faculty for a three-day intensive you do not want to miss. You'll receive over 30 hours of training throughout the intensive, with a technique-based approach to focus on strengthening the body, mind, and spirit as you head into a brand new year. This intensive is open to all intermediate and advanced dancers from ages 12 to 22, with discounts on tuition available to current college students. All attending dancers will be eligible to audition for scholarships for future Francisco Gala DanceWorks intensives in 2024. And speaking of discounts, we have a special promo code to offer our Making the Impact listeners. Use the code MAKINGTHEIMPACT in all caps when registering for an upcoming Francisco Gala DanceWorks program on their website and receive $75 off your registration. Learn more about the New Year's training camp and all of Francisco Gala's workshops by clicking the link in our show notes or visiting their website at franciscogaladance.com. We'd like to thank Francisco Gala Dance Works for being our season five premier sponsor. Well, let's let's jump on over there then, um, Amanda, because I know your studio goes to both kinds of events. Yes. So when you're choosing to go to a dance competition versus a dance convention, what are your what are you excited about for the competition scene and what benefits do you think it gives your students? So I have some kids that absolutely despise conventions, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have anything to do with it. It's too tiring. They just they're they're mm. nervous in the room of all the people. They just don't want to do it. It stresses them out. And then I have, I would say, honestly, it's about half and half. Wow. I have half that absolutely love it and that's all they want to do. And they would be okay with never going to a competition again. So for me, it's finding that balance of, okay, I I have to take, we still have to go to a competition. 
But here's my reasoning on that as well as that. I think it helps with confidence levels, especially for those who maybe they are in that middle range. They're an intermediate dancer right now, but they're working towards becoming an advanced dancer. You know, when they go to a convention and they're competing with like advanced, advanced professionals almost, they feel like they don't have a chance, you know, and maybe that's not the case. Maybe they are close, but in their head, they feel already defeated before they step on the stage because Mm. they know what they're up against. And then they, they walk away from the competition part of it with nothing. Now I do, you know, preach to them, like, we're going into this for the classes. This is about the education part. Like, I want you to learn something from these teachers you know, take away something from every class, get up there, get in the front, like do what you have to do to learn something. Mm. And that's what I preach to those that kind of don't want to be there on that convention weekend. For the competition weekend, honestly, the kids love the the ones that aren't looking forward to it, that love the conventions more, they end up loving it when they're there. Mm. It's more of a relaxed, chill vibe. Now, don't get me wrong, they're you know, we're rehearsing dances more. Um, that's kind of all we're doing. Mm. But um, they're running their dances. They go perform their dance. They're just more focused on their routines and their placement and just performing versus having to stress about the classes. So it kind of goes both ways. I think, you know, I will always keep a competition on my schedule, at least one. And that way the kids can get into their correct level. They can feel like they have a shot in their level. At placing and they'll get a trophy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And they still love trophies, no matter what age. And, you know, it gives them a goal as well. Like Showstopper, for example, everyone wants to get the crystal. (laughs) Even the advanced kids, you know, that aren't looking forward to it, they come into it like, okay, let's go for the crystal. And that's that's one of the goals. So, yeah. I think that another thing that um, a lot of studios, and I'm sure that you both can relate, but something that I've heard with a lot of studios Yes, with the addition of levels that exist now in our industry, which we all know about, and we've talked about a thousand million times on the podcast, love love it or hate it. I think levels are kind of here to stay. And if you uh, don't know my thoughts on that, then y'all can go listen to other episodes. (laughs) But (laughs) but just pick one. (laughs) Just pick. Yeah, just just go listen. But I will say that like one of the not complaints, but like issues with conventions when it comes to studios, especially larger studios who might have varying levels at their studio is that they can't bring all their dances to convention because like you said, Sarah, there's limits. Even for solos, you can only bring one solo. What if a dancer has two solos? What if a studio wants to register 80 dances because they're a large studio? There's usually restrictions at conventions because of the there's less time to compete because there's more time taking class. So at a regular competition, studios can now bring their entire studio all levels and feel like it's a big, huge studio event, like you said at the beginning which I think is a benefit for competitions because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you could just have your intermediate dancers go to this comp over here and then you could just take take your advanced dancers to the convention so they don't have to compete against levels. But at the same time, there's not enough weekends to do all (laughs) of that as a studio owner. Right. Yeah, no, that's a great point, Courtney, because now, and actually this has happened, I would say recently, like over the past few seasons, we used to be able to take everything to a Mm. convention, but all it's maybe since COVID. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe since COVID, it's shifted a little bit now. And we do have solos and groups. We have about 90 routines. Oh, wow. So we cannot take, we literally (laughs) can't take everything. Um, There is one convention that we go to every year that allows us to take everything. And then 
some that we've tried to get into that are newer, we cannot take. We could take like half. So then you're having to choose who's going to go. Right. So yeah, we just have to X that off completely. But yeah, you're right. The the competition just becomes a, a whole studio event. That's great. Yeah. Let's talk about this. And this has to do with levels a little bit. And I'm curious to hear. Well, actually, Sarah, does your studio attend regular competitions or do you only go to convention competitions? So we attend both. We attend both competitions and convention competitions. And I think there's a benefit for both. Like, for example, like the more beginner uh, intermediate kids, I think that the conv- or the competition side of it can be an advantage to them to kind of have a chance and to dive in and to get that learning experience. And then the more advanced dancers generally do more of the convention, like our company will do the convention competitions. I work for a couple of different studios, actually, and two of them, they're both very different. One is very convention competition based. And the other studio is a lot more just competition based and they're more of a leveled studio. Mm. And so I do think that both worlds are beneficial depending on what your dancers need. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Because there's a there's definitely and we've talked about this many times and this will help segue into my next question. But there seems to be a little bit of a difference when it comes to the types of dancers that are going to the dance conventions are usually a little bit of more the advanced level dancers is kind of where it's heading in in, in the direction. And I'm not saying that beginner and intermediate level dancers cannot attend. Anyone is welcome to it, welcome to attend a dance convention. But I think specifically because there are no levels, that kind of scares a lot of studios who feel intimidated by that and saying like, well, we're not really there yet. And I'm going to be competing against dancers that are training like crazy, who are the quote unquote advanced levels at this studio. How can I go up against them? I'm not even going to risk it. And then they are missing out on the educational opportunities of conventions because of because they're focusing on the competition aspect. And I don't I don't think that we should approach it like that. Like if like competition is competition and it's a learning experience no matter what. Yes, it's it's not going to feel great if you don't win. Of course, we all want to win. But at the same time, like don't walk into an event already feeling like you aren't going to win. Give it your best and learn from it. Be inspired by these other dancers that you get to see that might be at this extraordinary level that you've never even seen before because you only go to competitions and those dancers don't go to the competitions. And I think one of the reason, and I'm not saying that advanced dancers don't go to competitions, but what I've noticed, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is that when advanced dancers and studios who have an advanced level dancer attend a regular competition, oftentimes they're competing against themselves these days at competition. Mm, And I think that's the issue with levels. I think levels are great because, yes, beginner dancers exist. Yes, intermediate dancers, eh, sort of, yeah, I guess they kind of do exist. But, like, do we need to break it down? I don't know. But either way, like, the advanced dancers have literally signed up for competitions. I've judged them. And they are truly competing against themselves. And they're winning first place against their own dances. I mean, why is that? What are our thoughts on that? Has it ever happened to you? Tell me, because I, I think this is a big issue for the competition side of the industry. Yeah, that has happened several times with us um, having the advanced kids attend competitions. And the, that's where the moms come in, too. And they're like, uh, we don't want to do this. You know, they feel like they're wasting their money when right. they could be at a convention that weekend, you know, yeah. um, educating themselves. So it is an issue for sure. And that's where 
like you said, the intermediate range, it's like, uh, like, I think you just need to bump up to the advanced level, you know, like, is there an actual intermediate level, which I know we're going back to levels, but that's where it becomes the issue, really. Yeah. Yeah, I will say as a dance mom, now that I'm kind of diving in, my daughter's only seven. So we're still kind of like new in the dance competition world. But yeah, I'm essentially kind of wasting my money. So I can take two solos of hers to a competition. But then she's against herself in the advanced category. It's always one solo that wins over the other. And I'm paying all that money, you know, for her to be against herself. So I would rather invest in the education side of it and get a little bit more, whether that be like, okay, only take one solo, but get the education side of it from the convention. Uh, Especially like you're saying your dancer is only seven and she's a mini. That means she's a mini advanced dancer. There aren't a lot of those in the industry in general. No. if you're going to a regular competition, it's 100% guarantee that you probably are competing against yourself unless your entire studio is coming alongside you and they have a fierce batch of advanced minis right. because everybody else's minis are like, it's my first competition. I'm scared. I'm going to be um, intermediate or even though they probably they might train at the level of advanced, but you know how the whole level things work. It's just like a free for all. So they don't want to be up against someone who cl- who actually claims their advance it's it's just like this whole like mind intimidation like trip in everyone's brain <laughs> yeah. where they're just like afraid yeah. to just go where you belong and see how you do so at least when you attend a convention competition there's no levels you're getting the education and you know you're going to have some competition because you're not going to be the only mini register for a solo everyone competes against themselves so even if that means yeah, 20 absolutely. minis great you have 20 people you're competing against versus two at a regular comp. Yeah. Right. I, I like to tell my dancers, uh, especially when they're starting, is you either win or you learn. So either way, you're winning, right? So like, even if you don't win, you're learning from that dancer who maybe placed higher than you, or you're learning how to maybe like set different goals so you can make those goals for the next competition or next performance. So either way, you win or you learn. Right. I love that. That's... Yeah. It's a smart way to go about it. I mean, and I think the, for Amanda, you were talking about some of your kids, you know, would rather die than go to a convention because they are, you know, the classes are just not, I I can see the, I can see that because having been to some of these big dance conventions, those rooms are packed and Mm, people are. are fighting for the front and everybody seems to be amazing. And if you're not, if you're an intermediate level dancer, who's been put into that position, you're like, well, what am I even going to get out of this? Because I'm stuck in the back. I don't feel confident enough to go to the front because all the, all the quote right. unquote advanced people are in the front. You know, that's a scary situation. And yeah. I can see how some studios are like turned off by that. But what I will say is because like Courtney said, there's hundreds of these events across the country. There is one for your studio. It doesn't have to be the mm-hmm. big, yeah. huge, giant one. It can be a smaller convention where you can actually learn something because yeah. maybe it's not so intimidating to go there and put yourself in that position, you know? Right. And I I will say that dancer that's standing at the back that wants to go to the front, but they're too nervous, they're intimidated, that competition, that one competition, they may place in the top five. Right. Yeah. And that's going to boost their confidence to then come back to the convention room and Mm. step forward. Yep. That's true. That's a big one for me for keeping competitions Mm -hmm. on our schedule. That's, yeah. And exactly, like that's, that is a perfect point. And, And we did talk about how at the beginning that there are a lot of first placed at competitions because there are the levels. So like 
Yes, I think a lot of studios love the fact that it, it can be a confidence booster for their dancers and less intimidated uh, at a competition yes. where they feel like they are placed appropriately, where they're up against dancers who are at the same level as them. I think that's great. But I do know that like the advanced dancers, they are hungry to have yeah. Oh, yeah. competition, you know, they yeah. and that's why I think they again, we, like convention is primarily based around education and teaching and classes. That's the point of convention. But all majority of the conventions have tacked on a competition portion mm -hmm. of their event. So it is that is now also a part of it. And it, everyone's like, well, if I'm going to compete, I want to compete against somebody. I want to I want right. to see how I how I compare against dancers who are at my level. So I think that's kind of how it's evolved in our industry, primarily because of the addition of levels at regular competitions. I think that once that happened, dance conventions, everyone started gravitating towards dance conventions if you're advanced and then uh, studio wide competitions for more intermediate beginner dancers. And that's just kind of how it's how it's evolved. I will say, too, for studios that are nervous to step into the convention world, do your research because there are conventions out there where, yes, there's a competition portion, but they don't call it that. They mm -hmm. call it a showcase, right. yeah. a showcase performance, and there's actually not adjudications. So you just perform and then they'll give out the special awards or scholarships at the end. And it could be for choreography or technique or performance, but there's actually no adjudication or no score. So, um, oh. yeah, research that. Um, that could be a, a little step in. I love uh -huh. that. That is awesome. I mean, I think that that's just so smart on any conventions that are doing that because I don't know, like, I think that's what really separates it. It can be more of a performance opportunity and a feedback opportunity, similar to like what you were saying, yes. Sarah, where your dancer already won showcase, whatever. So now they're just getting feedback and getting on stage again. And that's that's wonderful. There's less pressure. They're probably mm -hmm. going to dance better. They're not fighting for first place. They don't need to know how they ranked or all the things. It can exactly. just be almost like, let me just work out the kinks on stage and have a really good feel good performance and like dance for me. I think that's yes. exciting because the yeah, pressure absolutely. of competition sometimes just like overtakes you. And it's all you think about. Yeah. I have a question. And this is just. I already know what I think and what I've heard, but I want to hear y'all's experience. Do you find, and I know this is going to vary because there's 300 dance competitions, do you find that you get better feedback at a convention competition or a competition? Mm. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think that it depends. I think it depends on your judging panel. I will say that I have just personally like found that if, if a judge has been a teacher, or have that teacher experience, I think that the feedback can be a little bit more beneficial, maybe to the beginner dancer, intermediate dancer, as far as how to get their bodies to where they need to be. Mm. I think that I've kind of been on both sides where I've had great feedback from a convention competition, and then maybe point your toe. <laughs> and that's it, you know, where it's silent. But I will say that my daughter, she really enjoys the side where her judges are her teachers mm. in a convention mm. competition. So she really likes the fact that they're judging her yeah. in her solo, whatever groups, and then she's taking their class and there's more of an interaction yeah. between the process. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it depends on the panel first and foremost, and it could go either way, competition or convention. Mm -hmm. But 
I will say one thing that I have a hard time with, and my kids, I've noticed when they're listening to the critiques, is when the judges are all together on one track. Oh. Yeah. Because they feed off of each other. So I feel like sometimes they're not voicing their own opinion. They mm. are just feeding off of the, what the first judge said. Right. And it can go south quickly or, I mean, it could be great. So yeah. I don't know. I would say that's one thing I would like to see uh, from judges is just a separate, you know, critique. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I run an entire judging organization that's all about <laughs> quality critiques. And we primarily staff for regular competitions. But I will say right. that I'm also on the other side of the table as a convention teacher who is judging at the conventions. Right. So I, on my end, as a judge and as a teacher on convention, I absolutely love the fact that I get to sit and watch the dancers in their element in on the judging side, in their solos and their groups and seeing the hard work that they've put into that. And also then getting to see them in class and getting to be hands on with them and work with them. So I absolutely love being both on a convention weekend. And I do think it makes a difference. I think the kids are excited, like you said, Sarah, to learn from their teachers and faculty. So I hope and encourage all the dance conventions to have their faculty sit on a judging panel. But I will say that if just because you're a good teacher doesn't mean you're gonna be a good judge. Not everyone is cut out to be a judge, let's be real. There are a lot of people that I know that say, absolutely not, Courtney, do not sit me in that chair. I want nothing to do with judging. I, how do you do it? How do you sit there all day? Well, and sometimes that is also the faculty member. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I know yeah. faculties that are right. like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not. Right. And like, that's sometimes it's a part of your gig. Like, you yeah. might not get hired as a faculty member, pending who you are, if you say, sorry, no, I'm not judging. And then, and then the com company's like, no, actually, that's a part of your job. Like, you actually have to. Like, even if you sit there for three hours, you have to judge. And but some people are like, no. And it just depends on you know, if the competition, the convention's willing to work with you on that, because that could be a deal breaker for and not getting hired. And yeah, absolutely. I think, but at the same time, the, com the company's like, well, I don't want to put you on the panel if you don't even want to do it. If you're not going to be passionate about it, you're probably just going to phone it in and just say, point your toes. So now I'm just paying you to sit there. The customers are going to be upset. Sure, you teach a great class and you're popular and all the things, but like now that you're now your job has changed to be a judge. And you and I do think it's really yeah. important for anyone that's sitting behind the table that you have to want to be there. It's not just a paycheck. Like these people paid a lot of money. Like they idolize you. They look up to you. Even the teachers. Right. Like mm -hmm. I think that's what's exciting for me is that yeah, we always listen to these judges' critiques, and sometimes we're like, oh, I can't believe the judge said that, or well, they don't know what they're talking about. But in convention, for me as a judge and a teacher, I get to validate myself when I get to go on stage mm -hmm. and teach. Yep. So yeah. you hear you that yeah. all the kids, all the parents, all the teachers can watch me teach and say, she knows what she's talking about. So when you listen to the judges critique, it's almost like I'm backing it up a little bit because right. it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Versus like yes. not saying that yes. you can't do that in a regular judging panel, but it's almost harder to like prove yourself right. when you're a judge without like that interactive teaching element attached to it. Yeah. But I will say that. I do feel like that there has been progress in the industry as far as critiques. I personally feel that competitions, pending which ones you go to, especially if they're IDEA affiliated, are providing better quality critiques than dance conventions. Yeah, I agree. I agree as well. Yeah. Well, and that's that was my point with that question. 
because I think there's there the reason there's a quote unquote stigma on competitions is that, well, people are just there for a trophy. The feedback doesn't mean anything because so many people have unfortunately experienced a bad judging panel and people are winning because they're doing tricks or whatever. Right. And people don't yeah. understand. But then if you really listen to feedback from people in, in the industry who go to conventions, you hear, well, they, they have all these amazing teachers, but then my critiques were crap. Right. Well, that's because not everybody's meant to be a judge, like right. Courtney just said. Right. So I think one of the things that I wanted to just like drive home is that, yes, some competitions are just not going to be for you for whatever reason. But a lot of competitions have judges that are not famous. They're not, you know, on So You Think You Dance. They're not these big names, but they're the best quality judges you're going to get because they yeah. care. Right. And like, you just never know what you're going to get, sort of like Courtney said, unless you go to an IDA affiliated competition where right, you're going to exactly. get some people who care <laughs> and people who have a really great background for judging specifically and teaching because almost everybody on the panel has some teaching experience other than I taught at a dance convention and I'm famous. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Attention all dancers. Looking for some outside expertise to fine tune your dance before hitting the competition stage this season? Then check out IDA's online judges critiques. Our seasoned judges will provide you with a video critique of your routine, just like you'd receive at competition. But with IDA's online judges critiques, we take it one step further with our post critique additional feedback. Your judge will go through your routine again, pausing the video to give you even more detailed and personalized feedback. You can even request a judge that specializes in your style of dance. This game-changing service has helped countless dancers prepare for the competitive stage and is available year-round. With critiques starting at only $35, what are you waiting for? Click the link in our show notes or visit our website at impactdanceadjudicators.com slash online critiques to learn more and submit your dance today. And I'm sure we've all sat alongside judges regard like at any point in our judging careers where you're just like, you haven't said anything. You got paid how much? Right. You literally haven't there? said anything. I'm rambling over here. And <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> it is. Silent. Right. Yeah. And then as, a, as, as teachers, you listen to your critiques and you hear nothing and you're like, you're probably so excited. Like you read the person's well, yeah, bio. And- yeah, and the kids are listening, and they're like, "Wow, are they going to say anything?" And then yeah, right. you're like, "Well, I don't know what to say." You know, right? I what mean, do you say? It's hard. Yeah, yeah. But that was a great question, Leslie. I love that, and but I I I do see progress, and yes, like I will I, agree. I will give a shout out to the the com- the convention that I'm currently working for, the Streets Dance Convention, which I'm starting to work with them this season. I'll be on the panel as a teacher judge the entire season. Awesome. I'll be teaching and judging. But uh, they came to IDA last year and said, listen, we want to elevate our judging game. As a dance convention, we don't want our customers to say that the faculty isn't, isn't saying as much as they could. We want to make sure that our customers are happy in it, getting at least one extremely full critique from a qualified judge. And I said, we can make that happen. And now they have at least one IDA judge on every convention panel where they actually are fly- investing flying out a separate person to just come to judge because they are worth it and they want to make yeah and i think it makes a difference because not that the again not that the faculty can't judge but there are some people who might not really want to right or there might be fantastic judges on the faculty but when you really think about it for conventions there's only maybe like what between six to eight teachers in a variety of styles 
and there's like 25 hours of competition. So if they're doing rotation panels, like not every single person's going to be sitting on that panel. It's almost like you need somebody to kind of swing in and and sit there at this point, I think is like how our industry has changed as far as quality. Yeah, I agree. All right. So let's talk about some things that we would like love to see changed in the industry. Does anything come to mind on the convention side or the competition side um, that like you wish would to be, you know, like see tweaked? see adjusted um, make some some progress as far as how things are executed or the types of awards or the types of overalls and things like that anything come come to mind that you've experienced for conventions i would say maybe elevating like the audition process a little bit for scholarships or having the faculty write down numbers or keep an eye on the kids in all the classes i remember growing up we didn't have an audition class at a convention. They literally had a clipboard and they wrote your number down for every single class. Yeah. And if you skip if you skipped a class, your number was X'd off all the other classes. Ooh, right. You know, that was it. So if you miss tap, then you're out for any scholarship. And now you just see kids taking a couple of classes and the audition classes and leaving early or they have to leave on Sunday and go somewhere else or whatever. And they still come out with a scholarship. So I think that's a little bit frustrating. Yep. I, yeah, I think every kid should participate in every class if they're going to win a scholarship. 100% agree. Couldn't agree more because I've witnessed it myself as the audition teacher for convention where I see standouts. And then next thing you know, I'm like, I'm I'm taking class and that person's sitting and watching class. And yeah. I'm like, this yeah. no. you, you were great in my class, but I, I'm about to revoke your scholarship because you are just sitting here not taking tap class. Like, what are you doing? Source. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see for can, competitions. I'd love to see maybe them diving a little bit more into the education side of it. If, you know, maybe just one or two classes, or maybe for those kids who are beginner intermediates to take a few classes and to feel like it doesn't have to be this whole production where it's a whole weekend and a whole audition and a whole everything. I do think at nationals, sometimes we see Mm. that where they have, you know, morning classes and then they have the competition. So I think it would be great to just see even shorter classes. Like this is how you take an audition class. Or, you know, like little half hour, shorter moments where these guys can kind of dive into the education, but not be so committed. Because as a dance parent, it is very expensive Mm -hmm. to do all the traveling, you know, the observer bands, the classes, all of that. I think it would be great to have like an Mm in-between where you're able to dive in, but not have to do so much cost up front, like an in the middle more. Yeah, just thinking of that, I'm just thinking of like ideas as you were saying that there could be a way where if if the competition is taking place, maybe in like a ballroom of some sort, which I know a lot of regular competitions usually try to rent out theater spaces, which I will say is a pro of going to regular competitions, because I think that it's very important for dancers to understand what it feels like to dance on different types of stages and actual stages in like a real theater house, like in a high school or in a performing arts uh, complex. Because at convention competitions, majority of the time, if you've attended, you know that they're taking place in a ballroom and they they build a stage. So the wings and the stage is elevated. So there are, quote unquote, wings, which are really just fabric, uh, like a a very small panel of fabric and a gate that if you you can't continue to run (laughs) off stage, like you will run into the gate or run down the stairs. So like, I think that's, you know, interesting to to be on as a dancer but i think it's extremely important to understand like what it looks like to run backstage what a real wing looks like wings one two three like 
the whole, you know, regular stage life, I think, is important. But there could be an idea of something like maybe if they have seniors running in the competition portion during the seniors, the juniors are in another space having some type of class that's offered that's like complimentary for the event. So it becomes a little bit more educational where no one's having to like pick and choose. Do I go to the class? Do I go to the competition? And they could schedule it out. But like, again, that gets super hard with the levels because, you know, it's like right. these days at competition, everything's kind of just mushed all together, ages, levels, all the things all day long. And it's hard to like separate it out. So yeah, it's just a thought though. I don't know. I, I like that idea, Sarah, more education for sure. Leslie, anything come to mind for you? Ooh, I mean, it's just so saturated out there that I, for, I just think everybody should just like not create anything new and just like work on what we already have because like we're, <laughs> yeah. some of us are already yeah. doing really good things. And if we just like stopped making a sister competition or a sister convention, like right. don't do too many yeah. things. Yeah, that's true. But on, honestly, I do think like Amanda said, you, you noticed that a few years ago, you know, a lot of conventions were starting on a Thursday. Well, they're starting on a Thursday because somebody wanted that. Somebody wanted right. to bring 90 numbers and the convention couldn't say no because mm. it's, it's a business. Yeah. But, you know, I do think that, you know, everything costs money. The venue costs money. The people cost money. The, everything costs money. So, you know, there's got to be a balance for everyone of is this good for anybody besides the bottom line to start on a Thursday so we can accommodate 100 more numbers? Like, I think the conventions are trying to be everything to everyone. Mm. And that's just, there are competitions for a reason. There are conventions for a reason. They cater to different audiences and that's fine because once you try to be everything to everyone, you're starting on a Wednesday and mm -hmm, nobody has right. that kind of time yeah. or money or vacation time or no. like it's, no. or energy, you know? So I, I think for me, looking towards the future of this industry, I think not stay in your lane because that sounds very like exclusionary, but you know, know who you serve, know what your clientele wants and give them more of that. Don't try to be everything to everyone because that's just, that's really, really hard to do well, you know? Right. Something I'd love for competitions to consider and think about is just a little bit more transparency as far as the amount of attendees coming to the event, how many other studios are actually going, you're going to be competing against, how long the event is looking. Don't anticipate it being a three-day when you really only have a Right. You know, a one day event and then you get the schedule, the studios get the schedule and they're like, you told That's me true. this was a three yeah. day. Like I was ready to spend my whole weekend here. I'm signing. Now I have no one to compete against or there's even even if it is a smaller event, like even in the intermediate level, you might only have two other studios that you're competing against technically. So I think there just needs to be a little bit more transparency because it is so saturated. Like there are right. a lot of competitions who are selling out. Let's be real. Like we yeah. know that. But then there's a lot that aren't. And right. you can't just, I feel like a lot of them are, at, are telling to their clients, oh, yeah, 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 we'd love to have you. Like, we can take all your entries, all the things just to get them hooked. And then really, when the event comes out, sure, things happen. Maybe a studio pulled out last minute or whatever. Let's, I don't know how these comps do it because I could never do their job. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, yeah. it's wild and crazy, you know, event directing. But I think there does need to be a little bit more transparency because the studios have had these dates in their schedule since, like, the summer. I mean... Right. And then a month before to find out, like, oh, I have no one to compete against? Yeah, not even a month. Sometimes yeah, it's two weeks. like two weeks. Right. Yeah. Right. And then we yeah. don't even we don't even know who we're competing against. The kids are asking people at school, right. like, oh, are you guys going? Because there's local studio, so many local studios. And we have no idea until we show up or get the schedule, you know? So right. I agree with that. Yeah. 
And I mean, I get it. It's it's hard, but I do think that it could yeah. be it could be helpful for everybody to just know yeah. like, okay, I I'm signed up for this. I know what I'm getting for this and if a lot of competitions are trying to break into new industries and new areas, so it might be a smaller event at first and I think it is important to just be transparent about that and be like, listen, this might only be right. a one day. You know, are you cool with that? Because if some people are like, actually, that's perfect. We only want a one day. Right. Some people might be like, no, I mm-hmm. want competition. Right. I want to go to a three day. I'm sorry. I'm going to go to the other one down the street. You lost business. That stinks. But like these people are, aren't paying a little bit of money to come to these events. They're paying right. so oh, much God. money. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, y'all, this was a really informative chat. I think this was a really great conversation for our industry in general. So I hope that a lot of dance parents who are listening, maybe you learned a little thing or two about what's what's different and what's what's great about both conventions and competitions. Maybe there's a lot of competition owners and convention owners listening to this chat. I'm sure they are. So if you tuned in, all of the owners out there, hope you enjoyed it. Hope you found some things helpful. And uh, to all of the studios that are heading out on convention and competition season, in 2024 wishing you all the best of luck i hope you have an amazing experience and what did you say sarah it's you either win or you learn yes absolutely yes we're all gonna (laughs) win we're gonna learn this season maybe a little bit of both hopefully a little bit of both (laughs) and thank you to our fabulous guests sarah and amanda for joining us on this chat we love having you on the pod we'll have to have you both back sooner than later And how we always have our guests lead us out on making the impact is just with one final thought about the topic today. So you can talk to whoever you want, other other teachers, studio owners out there, the competitions and conventions themselves, to your dancers, whoever you'd like. Just one final thought on conventions and competitions. I'll say um, just don't be afraid to try something new. I think that that's kind of what we see is kids not wanting to try something new. And being a teacher, being a dance mom, it's okay to try something new. It's a learning experience. You know, you guys are kids. So try something new, have fun, be inspired, learn something from someone else. Kids try something new, but I'm going to go to the studio owners here. Feel free to do your research and maybe try a new convention or a new competition. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode all about competitions and convention competitions. Don't forget to follow our special guests on social media. You can find Sarah on Instagram at Sarah underscore M9642 and Amanda at Amanda R. Carter. Don't forget to follow Making the Impact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and pretty much everywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you want more exclusive episodes, support our podcast by joining our Platinum Premium membership for only $5 a month. Subscribers receive free Making the Impact stickers, shoutouts live on the air, ad-free listening, and exclusive access to our Q&A episodes for members only. Join now at impactdanceadjudicators.com slash platinum premium, or click the link in our show notes. Be sure to check out IDA-affiliated competition, GEMS Dance Competition. GEMS Dance Competition is a fresh dance event created by studios for studios, with the intent of changing the norm. Their competitions are designed to be a positive experience for you, your staff, your students, and your entire dance family. At GEMS, you're always guaranteed an encouraging, educational, professional, and fun environment at each location. With full panels of IDA judges at every event and locations throughout the Midwest, we highly recommend adding GEMS Dance Competition to your 2024 competition schedule. To learn more about GEMS and register for an upcoming event, head to their website at dancegems.com and come show your sparkle at GEMS Dance Competition. 
Season 5 is underway with some great episodes coming up. Stay tuned for continuing education for dance teachers, duos and trios, and more. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, keep dancing.